Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. We are continuing a sermon series um, that we've been on for the last two weeks, and it's called One Another. Anybody remember the Greek word for one another? It's not a, there it is. See, last week, you guys fooled me. I thought everybody remembered the Greek word, and everybody shouted it out, and I was like, wow, I am surrounded by geniuses. And that's still true, by the way. Um, the Greek word is alelon. So when you look in the New Testament, you're gonna find a common phrase. It is one another. Everybody say one another. This phrase, one another, appears 100 times in the New Testament in 94 verses of Scripture. In the English language, it is two words. In the Greek language, it is one word. It is alelon. And in these 100 references of alelon, 94 Scriptures, 47 of the occurrences of one another have to do with a direct commandment from God to his disciples. That means that 47 times in the Bible, God explicitly commands us as to how we are supposed to relate to one another. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever God speaks and gives me a command, I would like to pay attention, listen, and act. Anybody else in the room? You want to be an obedient disciple. Well, there are plenty of commandments in God's Word that are teaching and training us as to how we are called and supposed to relate to alone, one another, all right? So if you take all of these references, all 100, and you categorize them into four different themes, you'll see in the New Testament there are four themes. Number one is unity with one another. Everybody say unity. unity. Talked about that week one. Last week, love for one another. Everybody say love. This week, we're going to hit on humility towards one another. This might get rough. Fourthly, next week, we're going to hit on edification of one another. That is encouragement, and that is building one another up. So today, we're going to talk about how to have greater humility towards one another. And here's the thing I'll say right off the bat that I've learned about humility. Uh, somebody told me last week, I was like, hey, I'm going to do a sermon on humility. They're like, I'm sick next Sunday. <laughs> because messages about humility, they can be really tough, but to be honest, they're also tough for me as a communicator because something I've learned about humans and humility is that we all believe, for the most part, that we are humble enough. I don't know if you've noticed that about human nature or not, but there's this tendency where we all tend to think that, well, eh, I'm humble enough, right? Proverbs says that a man is always right in his own eyes. So I just want to start with a disclaimer, better yet, a double dog dare, that you open your heart to the possibility that God actually wants you to become more humble today, right here, right now, and transform you on a heart level and move you to be different than the way you walked in, to be more humble and to be more like Jesus. 
Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. You know what that means? The longer we walk with Jesus, the more humble we're supposed to become. An anointed jerk is actually an oxymoron. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more transformed we are into his image. That's Christianity. Religion says, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more he is transformed into my image. But the longer that we walk with Jesus, the more humble church that we are supposed to become. We're supposed to become more like him, not more like the world, not more conformed, right, to the pattern of this world as Paul talked about, but we know as a result of his writings where transformation happens. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? And so I just wanna open, I wanna ask you please to open your mind to the slim possibility that you might not be as humble as you think you are. Because I know, you know, it's likely, hey, you know, I'm pretty humble. We think that. But God wants to take you lower still. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a ton of Scripture, and I'm going to do my best as I read it to paint a picture of biblical humility, okay? So I'm not giving the text my topic. I'm allowing the text to determine the topic, all right? I'm just reading it, all right? I don't write it. I just read it. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? So first one. Romans 12:10. Be devoted to, everybody say it. In love, honor above yourselves. I love that word above because it paints a picture and gives us an illustration of what biblical humility and honor looks like. It is actually to promote other people above yourself. It's to actually take the low seat at the table. It's to actually take other people and push them up and encourage them and bless them and honor them and prefer them and defer to them and to let them go first and to be seen even when you deserve it more. God told me a long time ago, he said, I will give you the spotlight if you are willing to defer it to someone else first that deserves it less. Are we willing to honor one another above ourselves? Or are we always clamoring for the next opportunity to be seen? Because that's not humility. I, I know I'm already going there. Just keep, it, keep that heart open, please. All right, let's look at the second one. It's Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, do nothing. How much? Nothing. Like, come on, God, one thing at least. <laughs> Just like, let me have this one thing, Lord. Well, I do my way. It's quiet on that. <laughs> do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. What is conceit? Conceit is vanity. Vain glory. It's where I want the attention rather than giving it to God. Conceit, but in humility, count more significant than yourselves. Keyword there, more significant. Humility is never selfishly ambitious. Self, self, amb selfish ambition is actually relentless self-promotion. That's what selfish ambition is. 
Self-ambition is relentless self-promotion, meaning you're going to do what you want to do no matter the cost. You'll sin, you'll mow people over, you'll hurt people, you'll wound people in the process, you'll do things that you know lack integrity, but you'll do anything that you've got to do in order to achieve success by your own standards. That's not treating each other more significant than yourself. That's actually saying, no, I'm the most significant person in the line. I'm the most significant person in the room. I'm the most, most significant person that God wants to use next. Get out of the way. Just want to make sure you see me. Not these people. They suck. But I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Here, here, oh, I have my resume. It's right here. It's not humility, but this, this passage right here, I actually think is actually one of the core concepts of humility biblically, uh, because that word significant there is actually our word superior. And let me ask you a real, real question. Like, are you always the superior? Do you always have to be the superior? Do you have a driving need to be better than everybody else? That's called selfish ambition, and selfish ambition is pride. That's what it is. I, I've noticed that, you know, I, I remember one time I was going to CrossFit. It was a long time ago, obviously. And um, I was going to CrossFit, and I, I went to CrossFit, and I started writing a sermon, um, like in my own head, basically, where I recognized, man, joining a CrossFit box is kind of like joining a church. Right? It kind of, I mean, has anybody in here ever done CrossFit? Like, if a vegan does CrossFit, how do they decide what to talk about first? I don't know. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I do CrossFit. I know you told me last time, bro. But I went to CrossFit, and here's why I say it was like joining a church, is because I noticed, like, where I was in my heart, where I was like, I was like, kind of like, I want to fit in. You know what I'm saying, right? Like when you join something new, it's like joining it. Just like, I want to fit in. Where, where, I want to fit in with the leadership. And so I would go talk to the coaches. And it was such a weird experience because I didn't feel like any of the coaches liked me. And I think I'm a likable person. Like I am like a puppy. Like I will win you over eventually. I'm like, I'm nice. I'm fun. I'm funny. Come hang out with me. I love you. So I'm like looking for opportunities. Like he hurt his back one time. I'm like, let me pray for you, bro. You know, I'm like trying like, hey man, God's going to heal you. And he was like so angry that I did that. And like, he just, like, I remember one time I was just, I was, I was like, he was walking in, he had this hat on. I was like, what does this hat say? And he, he goes, what are you looking at? I was like, I was, I was trying to read your hat, bro, you know? And, and I remember I was like, I, it's okay. Um, I forgive him. Um, so I was like, I, I was, I was going out to my car one day and I was, you know what I said? To him? I said, I'm leaving. Nobody recognizes me here. I'm a man of God. I'm nice. I'm a good guy. And I got in the car and I said, I'm leaving this CrossFit box. And the Lord spoke to me right away. He said, you're obsessed with environments that assuage your own sense of self-significance.
You don't know how to exist in an environment where you're not the most powerful person in the room. Humble yourself. Dang, I guess I kind of do that, Lord. He's like, go back in there. And you ain't leaving this CrossFit box. This is the perfect CrossFit box for you. I mean, so I realize, it's like, we, like, people won't go hang, they won't hang out with anybody they're not leading. What about people like that? Unless I'm the most superior person in my friend group, I just punt that person out of my friend group. Oh, they're not recognizing my, you know, sense of personal significance, so bye. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. I know I'm in your business right now. Yep. Some people won't go to a church. They don't recognize who I am, bless God. I used to lead worship at that church down the street. And I'm not on the platform, and I've been here two weeks. Can you please go through Welcome to Church? Okay, just go to Welcome to Teams, all right? All right, third, third verse, Galatians 5, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love. Another biblical picture here, to serve other people in love is what humility looks like. Let's go to the next one. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, which is prideful, arrogant, egotistical, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Whenever you go into a room, do you scan it for the influencers? Who has the ability in here to promote me? Hmm. They got a bigger Insta following than me. Maybe I can get them to post me in their stories. Oh, got too real. I'm gonna go this side. I, you know, I done got in trouble with y'all, I can tell. Or are you willing to associate with the lowly? Meaning, whenever you scan the room and you look, do you look for the people that no one's talking to and think, you know what? Here's what love looks like. And I wonder what's up with that person. How's it going? Here, let's read it another way, the NLT. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Or you can only hang with the cool kids. Listen, some of us need to get out of the cool kids club. I'm telling you right now, you're holding back in worship because you're in the cool kids club. You are. You get out of the cool kids club. Well, I'm cool, you know, I'm cool, man. Gangsters don't dance, man, they groove. You know, it's like... You're in the cool kids club, and you need to get out of it. Yep, you mean cool and apathetic. Cool, cool's lukewarm, literally. Cool, man, we cool, man, we cool. We cool, man. I don't really, I don't worship like that, man. I'm cool, man. Just keep cool, keep cool. Okay. Listen, we're not extroverted. We're just biblical, all right? We're trying to worship biblically. Look at the Psalms, right? Like David, he lost his cool constantly. In worship, I want to do that. And I can't apologize for wanting to build an environment where people can lay their cool at the door and say, listen, we're just ordinary people. We're all dependent on the same Holy Ghost. I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna give God praise. I'm not checking for anybody's personal opinion when I do. I'm just gonna get after it. She better back, back, give me some space because I'm about to go in. If this is the one place all week that you can put your cool down and you can be yourself before the Lord, may it be so, Lord. May it be so. Hang out with normal people. Be normal. How about being normal? How about just being normal? How about just not being weird? 
Listen, I hate, I hate to say it, but if you're always right, you're not humble. I've noticed this. Pride seems to live in absolutes. It's either black or white. There can be no gray area with an egotistical person because they have to be on the right side 100% of the time. I've noticed this about egotistical people. The only time that they're wrong was somewhere in their past, years removed from today. Has there ever been a time when you're wrong? Well, let me think about it. In 1997... Y'all know it's true. Like in the moment, they're never wrong. The only way they could ever possibly even show a little bit of being wrong is you'd have to catch them in the act of being wrong. And even then, they would make up a reason as to why they weren't wrong for doing that. Y'all know know I'm telling the truth. Well, you know, if she said this to me and he did that to me and they influence, I'm not wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm, look, that's pride. Lay it down. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Um, I wish I could preach in the same outfit as Kendrick. Did y'all see that on the Super Bowl? I guess I could. It'd be, I don't know if I can do that, though. I'm just being myself before the throne. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's look at the fifth one. Ephesians 5.21. Submit to... Out of reverence for Christ. You know what that word means, reverence for Christ? It means the fear of the Lord. Submit, you know what that word means? Submit. (laughs) Y'all know submit is a Bible word, not a cuss word? I ain't gonna submit to nobody. I submit to myself. That's why Satan got kicked out of heaven. I see you. Oh, independent spirit. I ain't going to submit myself to nobody. I lead myself. You're going to lead yourself into a ditch, too. Hey, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. First Peter 5 and 5, let's double down on this. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Who are the elders? Yeah, they're older people, but you know who they also are? Biblically qualified spiritual leaders. Titus, Timothy, look at that, right? The people who God has called to lead the church, but also the people God has called you to personally submit yourself to. And I believe that every single person needs a pastor. I believe that. I personally believe that. Sorry if you disagree with me. I think... Every single person needs a pastor in the healthiest sense of the word. I'm not talking about control. I'm talking about serving and shepherding and loving and encouraging and correcting and discipling. I'm talking about that good stuff that helps you to become more like him. All right? Amen. Next one, John 13, 14. I'm cruising through these, huh? You guys, you guys still good? All right, I, I'm, I'm gonna move along quick. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash There's feet. So this is probably like the best biblical picture that we have, best illustration of what it looks like to be humble is actually Jesus, who is the son of God, washing the feet of Judas, who is his betrayer. This is what humility looks like, to know that someone who is gonna sell you out for 30 pieces of silver is sharing the dinner table with you, you picking up the tab, getting down after dessert, and washing their smelly feet before they go to sell you out. Wow. 
That's probably the best biblical picture that we have of humility, which is why I've titled this sermon, On the Floor Washing Dirty Feet. All right, that's the title of the message if you're taking notes. On the Floor Washing Dirty Feet. On the Floor, that speaks to our position. It is lowly, right? Washing dirty feet, it speaks to our actions, which is serving, and that's what biblical humility looks like. Let's look at the dictionary of Bible themes real quick as to what humility uh, means by definition. An attitude, everybody say attitude. An attitude of lowliness and obedience grounded in the recognition, everybody say recognition, of one's status before God as his creatures. Attitude. Attitude. You know what I don't like about attitudes? You just can't see them, and you can't prove them. You know, as a pastor, it's like I want to say to people, hey, you need to adjust your attitude, but the problem is, Attitudes are not necessarily always physical, but if you look at the dictionary's definition of attitude, it says this, a settled way, a decided way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, get this, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior, in a person's behavior. If you have a sour, bitter, bad attitude, it will be reflected in your behavior. And as a pastor, my job is to be like, yo, sis, my bro, you're... I think your attitude might be off because, just inspecting the fruit here, your behavior seems a little bit strange to me. And then it's up to you, it's up to me, it's up to us as we are in community with one another to say, you know what, I think you're right and I might be wrong. But that's not what ego says. Ego says, man, mind your own business. You're off. You're wrong. You ain't never right. You don't know me. You don't love me. Listen, those are the type of actions and behaviors that end up pushing people out of community whenever Jesus wants to invite you in. And in order for us to do this thing right, church, we've got to be humble towards one another. Our hearts have to be open towards one another. Our hands have to be open saying, listen, address me. I want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to be humble. I want to go low. I want to be down on the floor, face down. I want to wash stinky feet. I want to serve. I want to go serve in Legacy Kids. Somebody give me two good amens. Somebody besides the people we pay. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Lyle, we love that. Yes. So how do you think and feel about yourself, right? It said um, um, his grounded in the recognition of one's status. How do you recognize yourself? Like, how, how do you feel about yourself? How, how do you think of yourself? Um, are you always the mo- most anointed person in the room? Are you always the most superior person in the room? Are you almost always the most smartest? Are you the most seasoned? Are you the most mature? Are you the best? Are you first? Like, are you, that right there is pride, church. That's pride. That, acting like that is what causes the host to say, go sit at the end of the table. Remember that parable? I know where I'm supposed to sit. Let me march my butt right up here and sit down. This is where I'm supposed to sit. I'm, I'm king. I'm amazing. I'm powerful. I'm anointed. I'm superior. What does Jesus do? He takes that attitude. He said, go down to the end of the table. The the quickest way to promotion is towards the floor. Okay, let me move on from this. I made a chart. You guys know I've been making charts. You guys still good? You guys still good? You guys still good? I'm checking in. You guys still good? Okay. I'm serious. I'm checking in. You guys still good? Okay. Real quick. We'll post it on the gram. So if you want to take a picture, you can, but we'll post it. So what humility is, I literally took the word tapinos, 
which uh, that word tapanos and its derivative um, were, were the two words that were listed in all of the one another scriptures that we read today. So that Greek term is found in the Bible 16 times, I and its derivative, and I read all 16 passages and I translated them and I looked at the Greek and I looked at the context and I read the commentaries and here's what I got, all right? I, did, I mean, I did some work right here for you guys. I just want you to know, I love you so much because I want, I want to get a good picture of what biblical humility looks like for us because I want to know what we're saying yes to, okay? Gentle toward one another is what humility is, what it's not. Unkind, brutal towards one another. Here's what it is. It's a restful attitude. Here's what it's not. Constantly clamorous. You remember whenever Jesus said, I'm gonna put my yoke upon you and it's gonna bring you rest. When you are wearing the yoke of pride, you will constantly be clamorous. Turned up, spun up, angry, upset, frustrated. Humility gets you promoted. Humility is not arrogance, which leads to demotion. Humility spends time with ordinary people. What it's not only associates with the popular people. Here's what it is. It brings and receives comfort. Here's what it's not. It brings and receives grief. Here's what it is. Wise biblical leadership. Here's what it's not. Unwise, non-biblical leadership. Here's what it is. Receives honor and grace from God. Here's what it's not. Receives opposition from God. Who wants to be opposed by God? No thanks. Places itself under qualified leaders. Leads themselves. That's what it's not. Here's what it is. Serves with tears. Listen, if you haven't cried in a while, can I encourage you? Cry. Can I encourage you? Cry. Cry some tears. Especially if you're like, I don't really cry that much. Like, just give it a shot. Tears are liquid prayers. It's, it's, I'm telling you, tears, it's a byproduct of brokenness. And I'm not talking about faking it either. Like, oh, I'm gonna cry. I remember doing that as a kid when all the grandmothers would surround me in the altar and shout in tongues over me and I'd just be like, just make yourself cry so they'll go alone. Go away. Leave me alone. Oh, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. They'd start touching you. He's got it. He's got it. He's got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, y'all didn't grow up like I grew up. I'm telling you right now, you did not grow up like I grew up. Pray through, pray it through, pray it through. Let it go, let it out, let it out. Yep, that's, I know, I'm a church kid, man, weird like that. Humility serves others for others. Here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't serve others for themselves. It doesn't have a selfish motive in its back pocket. Like, I bet if I serve here, I'll get promoted here. And if, if I get promoted here, maybe this person, you see what I'm saying? Right? This is what I love about Jesus. When Jesus invites us to follow him, he always reveals his motives from the jump. He's not like, I'm going to try to trick you into becoming what you don't want to be. I love that about Jesus. He's like, listen, man, count the cost. If you're trying to follow me, you're going to pack a cross. Is that, is that not the gospel? Come on. Jesus, help us, help us, help us, help us. Uh, humility has the mind of the spirit. Uh, here's what it's not. It allows revelation and experiences to inflate their sense of self-importance. Well, everybody's laid hands on me. The most powerful person. I got impartation. Praise God. I ain't got time to go all churchy on you. Self-aware, honest with oneself promotes oneself as wise, though they are fleshly. 
Compassionate towards one another, indifferent and heartless towards one another is what it's not. It's tender towards one another is what it is. And hard-hearted and tough on one another is what it is not. That is every single one of the 16 occurrences of tapinos and its derivative in the New Testament in Greek. I love you. I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful. Amen. I hope that was helpful. Uh, so here's what I did. I, I took these and I created a pop quiz. That's right. Uh, if you got your phone, here's a QR code for you. Uh, yeah, buddy, we about to see. Uh, it's on Google Forms, so all you got to do is scan it. Uh, the quiz I've created here is just a humility quiz. So the question is, how humble am I? All right, and um, I'm gonna give you guys just a couple of minutes to take it if you'd like. Can everybody see it? You good, you got it? You can zoom in from the back, it works. How humble am I? And if you, if you don't have your phone in here or whatever, we'll post it as well on Instagram and you can uh, link and you can take the quiz later if you'd like. How humble am I? All right, we're gonna do, uh, let's see, I'm gonna give you guys a minute and a half. There's 12 questions. They're, they're pretty easy. Answer them from the heart. Don't, don't uh, answer based upon what you think you should say. Just be honest and say what's true, okay? Just be honest and say what's true. Thank you, bro. You, give me that Jeopardy music. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me that tune. All right, you got less than a minute left. And once you finish, there's a blue button. I think it's blue. It says view results, view your results. Uh, the higher the score, the greater... Humility, maybe. I use the Bible to come up with all these questions. But the higher the score, chances of more humility, probable, okay? If you're done, just say, I'm done. I'm done. If you need a little bit more time, say, wait on me. Okay, there's like five people, okay, all right. So anything less than a nine, you got some work to do. The worst score on this test is a perfect score on this test. If you scored 12, it's the worst score. If you're the best of the best of the best of the best and there is no guile in you, we're gonna have a prayer line after this and you're gonna lay hands on us all. All right, I'm just gonna finish with a story. I actually had some more points, but I just don't have time to go through them. And honestly, I think this is the way, it'd be better to end this way. And 
I don't exactly even know how I'm going to end the story, but I'm just going to share with you guys a, a short story real quick. I was, I was praying last night as I was washing the dishes, actually. Uh, Allison and I were just finishing up, closing up the night, and just throwing some stuff in the dishwasher together. And um, I, was just, I was just praying. I was like, God, how do I become more humble? Is it a work of my own strength, or, or is it a work of the Spirit? Because I know that the Word tells us that we need to humble ourselves which would suggest that I could accomplish this in my own strength. But God, I was just thinking, the times in my life where I feel like I've truly gone lower still, it has absolutely been a work of the Spirit, and it has absolutely been a work that you've done in me, and I was kicking, and I was screaming the whole time. So I just want to suggest... Like, if you've received any revelation from the Lord today that God wants to do a work in your heart and make you more humble and take you lower still, can I suggest that you submit to that? You say, yes and amen, Lord. What does it look like for me to go lower still? What does it look like for me to posture my heart differently? I say yes. Even if I don't want to do it, even if I don't feel it, even if I don't understand it, I obey it in Jesus' name, and I commit to it in the name of Jesus. So just do that. But I also recognize that there may be some people in the room and God's got you in a position that just feels like Good Friday. I mean, life has a way of arranging Good Fridays, right? Like we go through terrible stuff. We go through crazy stuff. We go through things that we don't want to go through. And at times we're so angry at God himself that with clenched fists and screaming and kicking and cussing and telling God, just like what I told him with that CrossFit box, like, I'm leaving. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You make me mad, and I don't want to do this, and I don't, I want to do this my way. Get it done my way. That, that is the way we're going to do it. Like, that's been most of the time in my life when I've received some kind of spiritual breakthrough, it's always been preceded by great spiritual brokenness. Like, as a, as a community, we're like, breakthrough, 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 let's get some breakthrough, hey, hey, breakthrough, breakthrough. I want a breaker anointing. I call down the breaker anointing. Everybody wants to carry the breaker anointing, but nobody wants to be broken. You got to remember that in order for the oil to be spilled, the box had to be broken. In order for the bread to be multiplied, Jesus had to bless it and break it. That's what happens when God gets ready to move through you mightily. He breaks you first. Listen, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't want it. I don't like it. But it just seems to be the way that he works. And if he did not leave his own son exempt from that process by taking him into Gethsemane, leading him up onto Golgotha through the cross so that he could bring him to Sunday morning in that resurrection. Listen, I'm just saying, I think we all have to endure this part of our own transformation. And I don't like it as much as you do. But if I could encourage you in the words of Heidi Baker, die and die quickly. If God's got you in a place right now where you're like, man, I, I don't want it. I know. Die and die quickly. Don't eject from that situation or that environment and go to another one where you think nobody's going to know about your stuff because eventually they're going to learn about your stuff and you're going to be challenged in the same way that you were in the old environment, in the new environment. And then unless you say yes to dying and dying quickly there, you're going to have to go to a new one again. 
Don't do that. Don't run around like an orphan. You have a home, and it's the Father's heart. I'm telling you, church. Die and die quickly. I know, I know. Listen, it wasn't the truth that Jesus was forsaken by God, but he felt like it. Psalm 22, he quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was it true that God had forsaken him? No, but he felt like it because he identifies with all of our sufferings. That is our great high priest. And it was whenever he felt like that, he came to that place of complete surrender, complete sacrifice, holy yieldedness. And he says, I give up the ghost. And just like he said to the thief standing hung up next to him, Today, you're going to be with me in paradise, and that is always the key to the entry to that point of paradise. It is submission. It is surrender. It is sacrifice. It is saying yes and amen. I give up the ghost. I'm not going to cling to my life so that I lose it. I'm going to lose my life for your sake so that I might find it. I I, I know it's hard. I can't comprehend it in my own strength with my own mind, but I do know that it's a work of the Spirit, and if you're in here today and you feel like, man... I don't want to give up, but God's working on me. Can I encourage you? Give up. Let him work on you. Let's stand up together and pray. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.